Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today I am joined by special guest Terry Brown, who is a real estate and finance expert, an award-winning author who grew up in Athens, Greece, as an Air Force brat, as she would call it. Well, the good thing about Terry is Terry started off writing books and won multiple awards in finance and real estate, but she decided to step into the fiction world. So her new book, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, is a book that's set in Ukraine. So we're going to be talking to her about everything that that she's doing and, and that she has done. So Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, you, you, I think you did a great job. Um, so I have been writing with small businesses uh, since 2000. I started doing a lot of writing uh, with real estate, um, small businesses that were doing real estate investing, as well as real estate agents. Um, and then on top of that, I had a, other small businesses kind of in finance, mostly in finance type stuff, who needed me to help them write articles and um, put content on their website and things along that line. And so I've been doing that since 2000. But I've been wanting to write fiction for years. And I have four children. And so that kind of, I don't know, stopped me from being able to really do my thing. You know, I was a mom, I was a mom full time. And um, when the kids grew up, I kind of started looking at, well, what else can I do that I want to do? And one of those things was write fiction. And so I started writing fiction in 2017. And now I've got my first novel out this January, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow. Well, before we get into your fiction side, tell us about those books, because you, you've written some great books in real estate and finance and even won awards for those books. So just kind of give us a brief description of those books and, and the awards that, that you won because of them, because it might be helpful information in there that, that people can get from it. All right. So the, the first one that I wrote was about um, it was real estate investing and essentially, it was called, it, it was about how to use other people's money. So private mortgages. Um, it talked about it both from the angle of someone who wanted to be an investor and how they could use other people's money to do that. And it also talked about people who had money that they wanted to lend to people who were going to be real estate investors. Okay. And so the second book that I wrote was 301 Simple Things You Can Do to Sell Your Home Now. And it is about home staging. And it helps people know what they need to do to make their home look as good as possible for people who are uh, coming in to take a look at it. Because how one lives in a home and how a person sells a home are two very different things. Um, 
And then I wrote a book called Redesign, Redecorating and Home Staging. And it was about how to, to start a business in that field. Um, and it kind of talked about everything from uh, the bookkeeping all the way through to what you needed to do to find customers and how you could best find the furniture that you needed to do the the redecorating and restaging. Um, I also did one called Your First Rental Property, The Complete Guide to Your First Rental Property. And it talks about how to essentially how to be a landlord and what you'd need to do um, if you are going to start renting out properties and including even things like laws and how to find the people who are going to rent your property and do so in such a way that you're not breaking any laws. Um, and then finally, I did the personal finance handbook. And it's just kind of a step by step kind of book that helps you from budgeting all the way through to getting out of debts, different ways that you can use to get out of debt and um, ways to increase your credit score and pretty much anything that's that's basic finance, which is really an amazing kind of book. I think everybody could use, if not that book, a book like that, because I've been doing a, a lot of work with small businesses right now on personal finance. And it's amazing how many people really don't understand even the basics. They don't even know how to start a budget. So all of those are really good. And then the awards that I won were, uh, they're, they're indie awards. So they're awards for books that were written either self-published or through small publishers. And mine was through a small publisher um, called Atlantic Publishing Group. Yeah, I think, I think three of my books won awards through, through them. Well, it sounds like you do a lot of research when it comes to writing a book. So, so tell the listeners what kind of research you do and how long does it take you to get your research together to put together one of these books? Yeah, so the, the research is really intense. And what's interesting is, is that I think that's one of the reasons that I um, am enjoying the historical fiction that I'm writing now is because it also takes a lot of research. You know, you can't you can't do a historical fiction without understanding the area that that you're going to be in. Um, so when I do books like this, I usually start with a big overview and just kind of get a general idea of the topic, um, what some of the most pressing questions are, and I create an outline. And then from that outline, I just take each of those topics and I just really get into researching. Most of the books that I wrote, I I also worked with experts in that field and would talk with them and do interviews and get information from them. For instance, the the book that I did on home staging, the 301 Simple Things book, um, inside of it, there are all kinds of little tips from different home stagers across the United States. So I reached out to them and those that, that provided a really good tip were then put into the book. And then the one that I wrote on private mortgage investing, I actually worked with someone who had been working with people who wanted to invest their money that way for quite some time. And so he and I just talked and I would find out like, what are the steps? Where do you start? What do you need to, to know? And so he helped me to be able to kind of know where we needed to go with this book so that someone picking it up would definitely be getting the steps from the start 
to the end. So mostly what I like to do with, with nonfiction, like I said, is a broad overview. Then I like to, to create a, a nice, a, a very detailed outline and then start asking myself questions about that outline and then answering those questions into the book. And then if I have any questions, I just reach out to people who, you know, know more than I do about it and, and kind of, you know, ask them the questions as though I were someone who were, you know, wanting to, you know, do private mortgage investing or who needed to go ahead and homestage my house for sale. And so when you ask those kinds of questions in that way, you get some really great answers. Well, on average, how long does it take you to write a book? You know, I think it really depends on the topic. The The initial writing for me, I can usually get it done in about a month, but that's not all of it. That's just the, the very basic getting it down. Then you have to go through and you have to edit it and you have to make sure that you haven't left anything out. So by the time you go through that entire process, I would say it's about three months for this kind of self-help nonfiction. And then in terms of my fiction writing, it's longer than that. Okay. Well, tell us about, I know you were, or your parents, I would imagine was in the Air Force. So you grew up in Athens, Greece. So tell us what, what it was like growing up there versus the U.S. Well, so I won't be able to say that because I lived there when I was little, little, and I don't even remember it. We moved back home when I was uh, three or four, and so I don't really have any real memories of, of living there. But that's where I was born. And then I lived in Canton, Ohio, and then I moved to North Carolina when I was 15, and I've lived in North Carolina ever since. All right. Well, let's let's jump into talking about your fiction writing, your new book, All right. Flowers Beneath the Snow, and set in Ukraine. So tell us why you decided to write this book and, and what it what it's about. All right. So this book is set in the Ukraine. It follows three generations of Ukrainian women. And I had an this idea for this story because I have a um, Ukrainian friend. She's friends with my daughter, so my daughter's age. And she came to my home and was telling me this pretty incredible story of something that had happened to her in New York City. And I thought there was no way that what I was hearing her say could be true because it just seemed so incredible. And, you know, she has a Ukrainian accent, and I thought maybe there was just a miscommunication. So I started asking her some questions. And this this story she was telling me was, I was right. It was true, and it was incredible. And I felt like it was a story that needed to be told. So I took that little tiny sliver of her life, her story, and I created 80,000 words of fiction so that I could tell that ending. Well, now that you have that book out versus what's going on now in Ukraine, tell us your feelings or how, how you feel about the conflict that's going on. And do you plan on making a sequel or, or writing something else about what's going on now? So it's interesting. In my book, I end with uh, shortly after Russia has invaded the Crimea Peninsula in 2014. And 
you know, obviously, Russia never left the Crimea Peninsula. But in my heart of hearts, I never really felt that they would do more than than they had done. I felt like they had gotten what they wanted and that they might, you know, rattle their sabers a little bit and be a little bit, uh, you know, noisy and, you know, say they were going to do something. But I never really believed they would. Or maybe I just didn't want to believe they would. And so, you know, I, I wrote the book. I did the research. I got very involved in, in my mind and in my heart with Ukrainian people and got the book to the publisher. And the closer it came to my launch date, the more uh, Russia started amassing on the borders of Ukraine. And I just could not believe it. It seemed incredible to me that they were going to do this. So the morning that they actually had invaded and I woke up and there had, you know, there had been an invasion I was crushed. Like I was crushed beyond what a person should have been given that I've never been to that country and I don't speak the language and, you know, I don't have heritage there, but I was just crushed. And I think it's because I spent so much time learning about the people that I feel kind of like they are my people. And so it was very very sad to me. Then I reached out to my friend to find out how she was doing and how her family was doing. Um, she's never been able to go back home. She got she got stuck here in the U.S. during the 2014 invasion and hasn't been able to be home since. And you know, so she has family there. And I asked, you know, like, how's your mom? How's your sister? And you know, they were all currently safe. But there was, you know, fighting going on not not far from where they were, and they weren't able to get uh, a lot of the supplies that they needed. And, um, yeah, so all of that has been really, really crazy. Um, she reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and told me that she was gathering together a group of people who were going to uh, start selling art um, and part of the proceeds were going to go to a Ukrainian foundation that was founded in 2014 that helped get uh, the technology that their military needed. And then she she told me, she said, and we need your book. And so when the, the real life character of your book asks you to help, you do. And so I'm donating uh, some of the proceeds of my book to a Ukrainian foundation um, for her, because that was something that she had asked. Um, I don't know that I'll do a sequel. Um, I kind of feel like the, the book that I wrote has a, a nice solid ending. On the other hand, I've had a lot of people ask me that. And so I have started thinking one of the characters in the book that I don't explore very much at all is a, a midwife. And I've had several people say to me, I'd love to know more about her. So I'm wondering if maybe I don't do a story that, you know, is instead of an actual sequel is more like, like, you know, just taking a, a character from that same time period and and delving more into her life. And so there's always that possibility because I definitely enjoyed writing about Ukraine. Absolutely. I was looking through your bio and you have a saying called imposter syndrome. Yeah. So tell us what that means. So imposter syndrome is that, that horrible feeling where 
you know, for instance, with me, I'm now called an author, right? I've got a book out. I've published this book. And yet there's that little part of you on the inside that says, it must be a fluke. I couldn't have really written this book. It doesn't matter that I've won awards. It doesn't matter that that I'm getting, you know, a lot of people are telling me that this is a good book and that they've enjoyed the book. There's a little part inside of you that keeps saying that it, it couldn't have really been me or somehow I'm not really an author. This is just a mistake. And once people recognize it, they're going to go, you know, it's like you're going to be exposed that that you aren't really the thing that you said you're going to be. It's been very, I don't know, it's very difficult to kind of push that to one side and recognize that, you know, I'm an author and I'm published and I wrote a good book. And, you know, still when I hear people say, you know, give me a compliment on the book, I'm always kind of in awe, like, really? my book. Um, and so I think that's what that's what happens. I've talked with a lot of first-time authors and even authors that have written several books. And a lot of them have that same feeling like what they're doing isn't real or there's someone else out there doing it so much better. Like we're just kind of playing at it. And then there's, you know, real authors. And the truth is, is I am a real author and and it's just a matter of, of learning to... Um, be okay with who you are and and be really okay with the fact that you've written a good book and you can say so without having to apologize about it. You absolutely are a real author. And something else that you're real at is you did a cycling venture across the United States. So tell us why you decided to do that, how long it took you, and what was that like? Oh, okay. So this was this was my big adventure. Um, my husband and I rode 3,102 miles across the United States on a tandem bicycle. So that's, you know, bicycle built for two. And um, it was probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. It was wonderful and horrible and wonderful and horrible, pretty much just like that. There were There were days where it was fabulous and there were days where you know, you just wanted to pack up everything and go home because it had been, you know, hard and, and some days just aren't as much fun when you're doing something big like that. It took us 72 riding days, but we were out uh, for a little over 90 days because, you know, you have to take rest days in there. You can't just ride solid. And we averaged 42 miles a day. And, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. There were a couple of reasons that we did this. One, my husband has been wanting to do it since 1976. Um, he and I are newlyweds. We've only been married three years. And when I met him four years ago, he was telling me that he wanted to do this, you know, adventure. Well, I had been in a really bad relationship and had uh, stayed married to a, an emotionally abusive man for 14 years. And when I got out of that relationship, I didn't really believe much in myself anymore. And I really wondered if I was worth what if I was worth much, number one, and number two, if I was ever really going to do anything with my life or if, you know, I could just be a grandma and, you know, enjoy my grandchildren. And, you know, that was kind of be the end of it. Um, I met Bruce and 
he started talking about this trip. And I thought, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to do some big, huge adventure that proves to everybody that I have something still inside of me. Um, what's interesting, though, is, and it did, everybody was like, couldn't believe this was something that I was going to do because I call myself a desk jockey. I am not an athlete. Um, and so for me to do something big like this was really big. And not only that, I had not been on a bicycle in 40 years. So it was just really an amazing thing that I chose to do this kind of adventure. But the biggest thing that it did for me is while riding across the United States, I realized a lot about myself. And I grew a lot and I became uh, very sure of myself and much more um, convinced that I had a lot of living left to do and I had a lot of things that I could accomplish. And it was when I got home from the trip that I took that book that I had written and turned it into a publisher. And that's when the whole ball got rolling. So I came back uh, from our trip in October of 2020. I uh, found a publisher uh, just six months later. And so I really think that going on that ride was one of the ways that uh, kind of helped me heal from that bad relationship and realize that I had a whole lot more to me than uh, I had been led to believe for all those years and uh, kind of reminded myself of who I was and, and what I wanted to be. Do you have any current upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, sure. Yeah, I've got another book coming out probably at the first of 2023, and it's called An Enemy Like Me. It's another historical fiction. This one is set in World War II, um, and it is very, very loosely based on my grandfather just because of a story he told me. He was in World War II, and he fought in Germany, and my family is of German descent, and he told me how it seemed really strange to be in Germany and to be fighting against people that could potentially be cousins, you know, like distant cousins. And that really, I was young when he told me that, maybe 12 or 13, and that always stuck with me. And so this story kind of explores that idea that, you know, at any other time, the person on the other side, you know, your enemy could could be your friend. They'd probably be someone that you would invite to dinner. Um, and it's because it's governments that start war and then average everyday people are the ones that have to fight it. And that we have so much more in common than we do than, than the differences. And that if we could focus on those commonalities that I think that a lot of people wouldn't be fighting if we understood how, how similar we are. And so that's what this book kind of explores. Although it's set in World War II, it really explores this idea of, you know, what is war and why are we, why are people fighting and how are we more alike than we are different? And we see this, um, this whole idea from the eyes of this soldier as well as his wife. And then his four-year-old child. Okay. Well, so people can stay connected with you and, and keep up with everything that you're doing. Throw out your contact info, your website, social media links, uh, ways that people can stay connected with you. All right. Yeah. The best way to get up with me is to go to my website, which is www.terry.com. 
mbrown.com. And that's Terry with one R. And on that website, you'll see all of my social media. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on uh, Instagram, Twitter, I have a Pinterest, I have a YouTube that doesn't have anything on it yet, but maybe eventually I'll get something up on there. So all of that's there. There's also a contact page. So if anyone wanted to reach out and, and contact me, you can get me through there. And if you want to, you can sign up for my uh, newsletter and the newsletter. I, I kind of give a little bit about what's going on with me. And I also recommend books that I've read or uh, characters in books that I really enjoyed. Um, and if you join the newsletter, you will get a uh, list of the 10, let's see, how did I put it? The 10, um, 10 historical fiction novels that you don't know of that will bring you to tears. So I tried to find some of the really good ones that um, people don't necessarily hear about because I think a lot of people look at those, you know, uh, New York Times bestselling list and everybody reads those, but there are really thousands of books out there that are just amazing and really, really good. So I tried to focus on some of the historical fictions that people don't necessarily uh, find on their own. Okay. Well, close us out with this final question. Give the inspiring writers out there any tips that you might have for them that that can help them along their journey and path that you All wish right. that you would have known about that, that would have helped you. Okay. So I have three and this is what I would tell any aspiring writer. It's number one, write. Don't let, don't let something stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let, well, I just don't have enough time or I don't have enough education. If you want to write, if you feel that you've got that in you, then you need to write because the only way you get better is to write. Sure, take some classes if you want to, but don't wait on all of that to get started. Start writing immediately. Um the first things that you write aren't going to be that great, but that's okay. Because if you think about an artist who's maybe a painter, their first paintings aren't that great. And pretty much anything that you do when you first get started is not that great, but you don't get better by wishing you were doing it. And then the next thing is, is once you've written for a little bit, find somebody that you trust to read what you've written and be willing to listen to what they have to say about it. You know, find someone who will not only tell you the good, but who will also tell you what you can do to improve. And then the third thing almost sounds like it contradicts the, the second thing, which is don't listen to everybody. Because the truth is, is that there's more than one way to write. And there's your, what you write is never going to appeal to every single person. And so if someone gives you some advice, Sure, go ahead and try it. But if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. It's okay to put that to the side and say that that was a good idea, but it wasn't a good idea for me. So those are the three things I recommend. All right. Well said, ladies and gentlemen, Terry Brown. Be sure to check out her book and check out that upcoming book. Be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. 
For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.